Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today is number four in the series that I'm teaching on the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hunger and thirst can only be satisfied temporarily. This is not talking about the new birth. It's talking about your growth every day with Jesus Christ. Continue to take in the Word of God and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's really good. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. We have been studying for the past three lessons. Today is lesson number four of the Beatitudes where Jesus sat down on the mountain and taught the beginning. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the opening introduction of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount lasted for three chapters in Matthew, chapter five, chapter six, and chapter seven. And honestly, chapter five, chapter six, and halfway through chapter seven, Jesus only taught his disciples. The crowds found him halfway through chapter seven, and then he switched over to a salvation message, which door will you enter? Which path will you take? Which road will you take? The narrow or the broad way? The narrow way leads to salvation. Few be there that find it. Many find the on the road to, uh, to destruction. But again, he points that out. And then after that, he talks about discipleship. Which foundation will you build on now that you're a Christian? On the sand or on the rock? And so uh, that's the ha- second half of chapter seven. But in the meantime, all the rest of it is just taught to his disciples. Let's take a look at the opening 12 verses because this is where the Beatitudes are found. And they, again, are the introduction and overall view. Let me just simply say this. The Beatitudes are an overall view from the point of salvation to the point of maturity. And each one progressively goes toward maturity. In verse one, seeing the crowds, that's the crowds that followed him, the multitudes, great multitudes. He went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, all right, so Jesus sat down and taught only his disciples. In essence, he saw the crowd, took his uh, disciples and said, meet me on the top of that mountain. So they did. The crowds didn't know where he went. It just looked like Jesus went through the crowds and disappeared, but he had to get away for a while to train this group. But eventually, apparently people saw him going up the mountain, the word spread. And, and by the end of the sermon on the mount, they found him. So it says in verse two, he opened his mouth and taught them saying, this is the disciples, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. That's what we're gonna cover today. Verse seven, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemen makers for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others shall revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right let's take a look at verse six here because this is one that says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness they shall be satisfied. This tells you what to do. Verse five told you the attitude of which you study the word of God and hunger and thirst for righteousness. That was meekness. Blessed are the teachable 
for they shall inherit the earth. Your attitude has to be once you're born again and you start to understand a few things, don't let it go to your head. Stay teachable, stay teachable your entire life. I have learned one thing majorly in my Christian life. The more I know, the more I find out I don't know. One revelation opens up the ignorance around me of what I thought I knew, I hardly have scratched the surface in. So blessed are the teachable, they shall inherit the earth. Now, what do you do with the teachable attitude? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be satisfied. This is becoming a doer of the hunger, a doer of the teachable attitude that you have to where you go to the word of God. It simply comes back to this hunger and thirst for righteousness, where he said that again in verse six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. Hunger and thirst are a natural desire from the moment we are born again. And in the natural, hunger and thirst is a natural desire that comes when we are a child, when we're first born. Hunger and thirst can only be satisfied temporarily. Now, I'm not talking about the fact that when you're born again, you're eternally satisfied. There is a thirst for salvation that's quenched once and for all. John 4 and verse 14, Jesus said, if you drink of the waters of this well over here, you're gonna thirst again. But if you'll drink of the waters that I will give you from the well of righteousness, you will never ever thirst again. So that's what he's talking about uh, when he talked about that, but this hunger and thirst is after you're born again. You need to have a hunger for the word of God and you need to have a thirst for the things of the Holy Spirit. And even the thirst can be for the milk of the word of God, which will satisfy temporarily, but you should always desire more. Uh, there's a, a man that ran our uh, children's church and what he said was this one day, I never thought about this. He said, how do you teach your children very young to, uh, to uh, enjoy vegetables? And everybody went, yuck, because most of the people out there didn't even like vegetables. He said, well, that's because your mom and dad should have done something. He said, I got this from my grandma. He said, you take the vegetables and you, and you take the back of a spoon and you just mash them down. And then you put them on the back of the spoon and put it into that baby's mouth, you know, that it's a few months old and can handle vegetables. You take it and you pull it out and leave it on the roof of their mouth. And immediately they start taking it with their tongue. They're going, yeah, yeah, and they're trying to get it off the roof of their mouth. They may not like the taste of it, but once you've done that two or three times, you have taught them and developed in them a love for vegetables. Part of the word of God is great meat. Part of the word of God is wonderful desserts, but you can't live on meat and desserts. There's the vegetables in between. Those things are very, very healthy for you. And the word of God is filled with all of it. There's things in the word of God I enjoy studying, gravitate toward. There's also other things I don't gravitate to, but have had to teach sometimes during the time I'm teaching verse by verse on an epistle or a book from the Old Testament. And guess what? Because I had to dig into it and stuck it on the roof of my mouth and worked on it and worked on it, I developed a love for it. I mean, there's some verses now when I talk to people, they go, yeah, why do you, what's so important about that? I said, let me show you. And the moment I begin to show them the revelation of it. It's like I've stuck it in their mouth and they're trying to work it out. And all of a sudden they begin to find out this stuff's good for you. And on top of that, it's interesting. All parts of the word of God are interesting. Jesus is speaking here, not of the daily thirst and, and, and hunger for the things of, of the life around us, natural food. He's talking about here the hunger and thirst for a life of holiness and righteousness. And this is developing to a strong Christian. The sin-free walk of sanctification is what he's talking about because we take his word and hide it in our heart that we might not sin against God. And also in our daily walk with the Lord, these things, these exceeding great and precious promises, 2 Peter chapter 1, are given given to us that by them we might be partakers of his divine nature and escape 
the corruption that's in the world through lust. So again, the word of God is given to us to free us from the world and make us more self-sufficient in the Lord. But the other part of it is it's nourishing because listen, I'm looking for more than just natural meat in this earth. In fact, in the word of God, you can fast natural food, but God never tells you to fast the word of God. But that's exactly what we end up doing. We have two or three meals a day, but we hardly crack the word of God open once, twice a week. You could live physically on two or three times a week. Why do you think that you can do it spiritually? So really when you fast, it's not to get away from things. It's to give time in your life to go back to the more important things. And fasting of natural food gives you more time to go and study the word of God. It's not pulling away from something, it's making more time for something more important. And that is again, hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Again, they can only be satisfied temporarily, but there's always a return back to it. And every time you turn back to it, you find new things. I like to think of it this way too. I mean, there's different ministers around. To me, they're just like different chefs. I mean, how many steak places are are there in town, but you go there because the way they prepare it. And uh, I told two or three ministers one time, I said, I think that you, I think that you, you know, that you fry it, you fricassee it, you know, you, you, you chicken fry it, all the different ways. And I said on this one, you make it into a great rare steak and a great medium rare steak. I mean, all the way down, different ministers prepare it different ways. And that's oftentimes too, why a person might go to that church because they just like the way the preacher preaches, just the way he opens up the word of God. Well, listen, the way he does it may be his way, but the end result is still the same. The word of God is the bread of life and the uh, Holy Spirit is the, the, the water of life that we have. And God wants us to be filled with his fullness from the word of God. So those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. And so Jesus is speaking here of our daily thirst for the life of holiness and righteousness. This again comes back to God's desire for us. And ultimate goal is that we lead a sin-free life. I know what you're thinking, can we do that? Well, no, not really, but we get closer every day. Instead of looking at how far you have to go or getting discouraged when you do sin, confess it and go on your way because it's right after 1 John chapter 1 that 1 John 2, 1 comes and says, these things write we unto that you sin not. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. If you do sin, I've explained it in chapter one, here's how you get back on track. But when you get back on track, it's to bring you closer to living a sin-free life. Here's the point, instead of looking at how far you have to go, stop and think of how far you've come. Do you sin less today than you did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, five years ago, two years ago? The answer in every case should be yes. Rejoice in how far you've come, not in how far you still have to go. Every day you're closer and closer to a sin-free life. But if I do sin, his grace is there, his mercy is there. I confess it and go on my way. Everyone has hunger and thirst. What do we talk about? Jesus didn't mention something here that only a few people can do. This means that if everyone can hunger and thirst, male, female, young, old, educated, uneducated, I mean, it comes uh, black, white, Hispanic, no matter what nationality you are, and all these things, again, it's simply pointing out something that everybody does everywhere. We're talking about breathing in the word of God, and breathing is a symbol of the Holy Spirit and the, and the wind of the Holy Spirit and the the, the uh, life that the, that the air around us gives. That's the Holy Spirit. But notice breathing, opening your eyes, that's found in the word of God. Uh, look and live is a commandment for being born again. If you look at the Lord Jesus Christ and understand him, you'll live. Anybody can look. I mean, you don't have to have any money to look. You don't have to have any education to look. It's just part of the natural life. The things of God are brought down to such a level anyone can have it. 
not just those who have gone to a famous Bible school, not just the ones that have a diploma on the wall from some university. No, those who hunger and thirst, hungering and thirst is a type of faith, Isaiah 51. Ho, everyone that thirsts, come to the water, and he that has no money, come and eat. Again, is simply saying that the basics of life are taken care of uh, in this natural life by physical food, but in the spiritual life by spiritual food. Our faith, after obtaining salvation, should seek righteousness in front of the world. Our faith, after being born again, should desire to show forth that righteousness, show forth that salvation, show forth that relationship with Jesus Christ in front of the world. God's goal for our daily life before the world is to be sin-free. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. These things I write to you that you sin not. By these promises, you might be partakers of his righteousness and escape the corruption that's in the world by the Holy Spirit. As we come here to these verses of scripture, it simply brings out that I've talked about first of all, and that is the first area of our life that produces righteousness is the word of God. In the second half of this broadcast, we're gonna talk about the second agent from God is the Holy Spirit who energizes us so we can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See you right after the break. In Psalm 11, we are warned, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Believers who wish to grow in Christ must understand the foundation of doctrines on which our faith is built. Doctrines are not difficult to understand but they often come disguised as complicated or deep sounding words, even when the definitions are simple. In 32 audio lessons, Bob Yandian simplifies these doctrines that bring strength and stability to a believer's foundation. Topics include redemption, predestination, sanctification, unlimited atonement, the flesh, resurrection bodies, baptism, the infilling of the spirit and laying on of hands. This flash drive can be used with computers, MP3 players, smartphones, and tablets, as well as car stereos equipped with USB connection. To order foundations, go to bobhandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, Come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Jesus said again, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. He's talking here about the Christian life. 
I want you to notice the two words he used because the first part we have approached in this first part of this broadcast is hunger. Hunger is satisfied by food. But next of all, he said thirst. Thirst is satisfied by liquids. I use the word liquid because the Bible uses the word water. That's about all they had back there beside wine. But anyway, I'm not a big water drinker. My wife is always on me because I don't drink enough water. I tell her I like flavored water, coffee flavored water and Pepsi flavored water and tea flavored water. I like flavored water. So anyway, she doesn't like what I have to say. But anyway, it all comes back to his water base. But here's the point. Those who hunger are satisfied by food. Those who thirst are satisfied by liquid. The food is the word of God and the liquid is the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is seen as the water of life that we need. And the symbol of that was found when Jesus talked to the woman at the well in John chapter four, that this water does this, but my water is eternal. So we come back to it again, just like in the natural, we have natural food and we have liquid. At the same thing is true in the realm of the Holy Spirit, in the realm of the new birth. So first of all, we walk, we uh, live by the word and the word comes into our life as food and it's the bread of life. And so the food of life produces strength inside of us, produces growth. So do the things we eat and we grow by the word of God. That was the first half of this broadcast. I wanna talk about growing by the Holy Spirit, the second half of the broadcast. And that's where it says again, that if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's found in Galatians chapter five and verse 25. And there is a growth that comes by following the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit also produces, and here's something interesting too. Water helps us to swallow that food we have just eaten because there's times we eat and you know, we start to swallow, say, man, I need, some, I need some water. So we wash it down. The Holy Spirit, one of its main emphasis is doing is taking the word of God and amplifying it, revealing it. And that's why it's good to pray in the spirit while you also study the word of God, Isaiah 52. With stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. But then he went on to say, and then it's line upon line and precept upon precept. That's taking your fork, taking the word of God, putting it in you, but stopping once in a while and taking a drink in the meantime. These two work together. The Holy Spirit's designed to work with the word of God. And Isaiah 52 tells us one of the greatest ways to study the word of God is line upon line precept upon precept, stop and pray in the spirit, pray in tongues. And that way God can reveal his word to you because with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. So that's the way I start. When I first started and found that verse of scripture, the Lord spoke to me on that verse and said, build your ministry on this. So I have taken the word of God and will study it for a while, but then stop and pray in, in the spirit over it. And then after I'm through studying, I'll continue to pray in the spirit. And that continues as the word of God talks about meditating on the word of God. Meditating means to ruminate or like a cow, chew your cud. You swallow that food and you think about it and think about it. And then that pulling it back up like a cow does. You chew on it for a while and more things come out of it. The word of God has literally limitless things in it that can be taught to you, but that's where the amplification of the Holy Spirit comes in. That is the drink you have beside the natural food that you have. So again, if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's simply saying that the word of God gives you strength not to sin. So does the Holy Spirit. And when you walk in the spirit, the Holy Spirit will never lead you to sin. It will lead you more and more into righteousness, more and more into following the word of God. And so again, we have here, this is what feeds us and also what uh, takes and uh, gives us liquid. This is what gives us, the Holy Spirit is what gives us drink in life and the word of God is what gives us the food in life. Also, there's the soon coming of Jesus Christ. 
This helps us to purify ourselves. The Word helps us to purify ourselves. The Holy Spirit helps us to purify ourselves. But there's also things you can meditate on and think on also that will also cause growth in your life. 1 John 3, 3, everyone who has this hope, the hope is the hope of the rapture. That's the verses before this, that Jesus Christ is coming back for the church and will one day take us. And then all those who have died before have left the church, but have not left the body. The church exists on earth. The body of Christ exists on this earth, but the family exists in both places. And that's what it tells us in Ephesians. For this cause, I bow my knee to the Father of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You never leave the family. The earth is where the church takes place and the body of Christ does its work. But when you die, you leave that work behind, but you're still part of the family. And one day the entire family will be brought back together. And that's what's gonna happen at the rapture of the church. The dead in Christ shall come back with the Lord Jesus Christ. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, will be taken from this earth. And in essence, what this verse is talking about is if we'll keep our eyes on the coming, future coming of Jesus Christ, knowing it could be any moment that you purify yourself. I've had people tell me, well, if I just thought Jesus was coming back tomorrow, I'd go sin like the Dickens, knowing I'm gonna go to heaven. No, if you honestly knew Jesus was coming tomorrow, you'd be on the phone calling people. Mom, dad, I, I listen, I meant to talk to you about Jesus. I know for a fact that Jesus is coming soon. I want you to go to heaven with me. See, these are the types of things that happen. In other words, what if I came on this broadcast today and let's just say this is live. And I told you the Lord appeared to me this morning and said, I'm coming back next Wednesday at noon. And I said, but the Bible says you don't know. He says, I know, but the father just told me. And Bob, you're my best friend. And I decided to tell you, tell everybody. So I came on this broadcast and told you, you think you'd run out and, uh, and grab your credit card and start spending like crazy knowing that you wouldn't have to pay the bill back? No, because you only have a few days left to drive a car or or do something with the, the clothes you have. No, I don't think you'd consume it on yourself. Maybe a few weirdos might, but I think most Christians would suddenly realize, man, I, I haven't witnessed enough. I haven't talked to enough people. And suddenly you'd be scouring every way to get your aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and friends born again. And that's why it says here, if you know Jesus is coming, it doesn't make you want to live an unpure life. It makes you want to live a pure life. And you purify yourself even as you already are pure. You purify your outward life as your inward life is already pure. Next of all, using Jesus as our example. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, whoever keeps his word, the word here means to guard the word. Whoever guards God's word in him, the love of God has truly been perfect perfected. Love on the inside of me needs to be perfected, but it comes through the word of God and obeying the word of God, that love grows and becomes more perfect in its operation every day. It's perfect in my spirit, but needs to be perfected in my walk before the world because I not only love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind, but I need to love my neighbor as much as I love myself. That's where growth comes. It goes on to say in First uh, John 2 verses 5 and 6, but this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him should himself walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. As Jesus becomes our example, we walk like him. In every situation, what would Jesus do? Well, it's according to the word, not just some thought I might have or some random thing of what would Jesus do. I think about how he acted in the word of God. Jesus not only becomes my savior, but my example on how I need to live before the world so they can see Jesus in me and accept him also as their Lord and Savior. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 
Take a look at verses 20 and 21. It says, in a great house, this is a church, and he's speaking to Timothy as the pastor of a church. Paul is directly speaking to him and says, in a great house. Now, this great house is your church, the one you attend. It may be a storefront, but what makes it great is not the building. What makes it great is the people who come there. It is a momentary house, a momentary home for the righteous people of God. That's why it's a great house. It might be just some shack that's been being used and rented for the moment, or it might be some gorgeous building that was built a number of years ago that'll seat two or 3,000 and just has gorgeous rooms in it. And you walk in and it takes your breath, how beautiful it is. It simply comes down to this. It's no greater of a house than this one over here because why? God's people meet in both of them. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth. Four types of Christians are brought out here there and we're all called vessels because we contain the word of God, contain the love of God and contain the Holy Spirit. And all of us are called silver, gold, wood and earth. And it goes on to say, because why? We grow in quality. We start out as earthen vessels. Then we become wooden vessels. Then we become silver vessels and golden vessels. How do we do that? It goes on to say in that verse of scripture, verse 20, some to honor and some to dishonor. Now, the ones that are dishonorable are those that are ignorant. And that talks about the earthen ones, the wood ones. Some to honor are gold and silver. You say, yeah, but God made me an earthen vessel. God made me a wooden vessel. He made you silver, made you gold. No, that's not it. You are the one that determines what you're going to be. God started out with all of us, but how you treat God's word and the walk of the Christian life determines determines what's gonna happen in your life. That's why verse 21 says, if a man purge himself from these, what these? The sins are gonna be listed in the verses following. If you purge yourself from these, notice God doesn't purge you from them, you purge yourself. Now the power comes from the blood of Jesus, but it's your decision to do so and your actions that are involved. Purge yourself from these. He will be a vessel of honor. Notice this. God doesn't make you a vessel of honor. He makes you a vessel. You're the one that makes yourself a vessel of honor. Sanctified and meet necessary for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Second Peter chapter one and verse four and five. By these, these exceeding great and precious promises, by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And these exceeding great and precious promises, when we take them in like food, then God says, we begin to escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. The word gives me the power to resist sin. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, that's valor and excellence, and to virtue, knowledge. Here's the key word again. The more knowledge we have of the word of God and the more we act on that, the more excellence we walk in, the more power we walked in, the more mature we are. Second Peter chapter three, Verses 13 and 14, nevertheless we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found him in peace without spot and blameless. Notice again, looking forward not only to the rapture of the church, but looking forward to the new earth, the new heavens. Jesus Christ ruling over the earth in total righteousness can help us to walk in this present world knowing all this sin, all this corruption, all these things going on in government, all these things going on around the world, all these things towards sin around us. It looks like morals are dropping everywhere. This is temporary, but Jesus Christ is eternal. So it comes back to it. There's two types of righteousness. There's a righteousness we possess, which is perfect,
faith the moment we get born again. But that needs to come to the outside and this is where we work it out in our daily life for the world to see. I have an internal righteousness, but I have an external righteousness the world sees. So Jesus is giving us today a call to sanctification. First Peter 1.16, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Be holy is the Greek word genomai. It means become holy just as Jesus is holy. So that's his call to us. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. What should we do? Step out from the world system and live for the Lord in front of the world, he said, and I'll receive you, not to heaven, I'll receive you in this life as my friends, as those who minister with me. Man, this has been good stuff. I'll see you tomorrow and we'll continue there. Order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts, join our mailing list, and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.